Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that scales the peaks of history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're talking about a bittersweet achievement in the sport of mountain climbing the triumphant struggle to the top of the Matterhorn, and the disastrous descent that followed it. The day was July 14, 1865. British climber Edward Wimper and six companions completed the first ascent of the Matterhorn. The seven-man team reached the summit of the Matterhorn after a fairly uneventful climb up the Swiss side of the mountain. Unfortunately, the trip back down the peak proved far more treacherous, and when one of the team's ropes gave way, four of the climbers wound up plummeting to their deaths. The tragic event is now considered the symbolic end to the so-called Golden Age of Alpinism. That term refers to the decade between 1854 and 1865, when many of the mountains that make up the Alp were summited for the first time. Those pioneering Alpinists, most of whom were British, relied on rudimentary equipment and techniques, yet their expeditions yielded surprisingly few fatalities. That sterling record ended with the first ascent of the Matterhorn, and from then on, casualties in the Alps became increasingly common. The name Matterhorn means the peak in the meadows in German. It's a reference to the mountain's idyllic location, nestled on the border between the sloping meadows of Switzerland and Italy. At nearly 15,000 feet tall, the Matterhorn is only the sixth highest mountain in the Alps, but it's arguably the most recognizable mountain in the world due to its distinctive pyramid-shaped peak. Oh, and there's also a famous ride based on the Matterhorn at Disneyland, so it's got that going for it too. The Matterhorn was also one of the last major peaks in the Alps to be summited. 
Plenty of attempts had been made prior to 1865, but none of them succeeded, either from the Italian side or from the Swiss side. This led many mountaineers to conclude the Matterhorn was just too difficult to climb. But one British artist turned mountaineer refused to stop trying. Edward Wimper first visited the Alps in 1860, when he was 20 years old, on an assignment as a wood engraver. He had been commissioned to create a series of illustrations of major alpine peaks, and to get better acquainted with his subjects, he began hiking through them and making sketches along the way. By the end of that summer, Wimper had gained a new appreciation for the majesty of the mountains and for the challenges they posed to the people who sought to climb them. He decided to become a mountaineer himself, and for the next four years, he returned to the Alps each summer, gradually improving his climbing ability and tackling peaks of increasing complexity. Wimper also made seven attempts to summit the Matterhorn during this time. He was joined in most of those efforts by an Italian guide named Jean-Antoine Carrel. Year after year, the pair tried one approach and then another, with each failure spurring them on to try again. Eventually, Wimper became convinced that the Swiss side of the mountain was the most accessible, and that an approach beginning at the Zermatt Glacier would be their best bet. However, the partnership between he and Carell had soured by that point, with the guide believing that a native Italian, not a Brit, should have the honor of conquering the mountain first. The two parted ways in 1865 just prior to the start of Wimper's approach from Zermatt. Carell quickly teamed up with a group of Italian climbers and began leading them up the Italian side of the mountain. That left Wimper scrambling to find a new team of his own, which he eventually did by recruiting climbers who happened to be in or around the small mountain town of Zermatt at the time. Seven men joined him at the outset, most of whom had very little experience climbing mountains. They set off on July 13th, climbing a little over 11,000 feet, or about 3,400 meters, before establishing their base camp and settling in for the night. The next morning, one of the climbers, Joseph Taugwalder, decided he'd had enough and returned to Zermatt. That left seven men to complete the ascent, Edward Wimper, Michelle Cross, Charles Hudson, Douglas Haddo, Lord Francis Douglas, Peter Taugwalder, and his son, Peter Jr., the brother of the man who turned back. The team set out at dawn and ascended the east face of the mountain with relative ease. They reached the foot of the upper peak just before 10 a.m. Then they crossed over the ridgeline to the north face, where the slope was gentler. At that point, with just a few hundred feet left to go, Wimper and Cross detached themselves from the team's rope and began sprinting toward the summit, with the others following behind. Wimper later recounted his moment of triumph in a memoir titled Scrambles Among the Alps. The slope eased off, he wrote, and Cross and I, dashing away, ran a neck-and-neck race, which ended in a dead heat. At 1.40 p.m., the world was at our feet, and the Matterhorn was conquered. Hurrah! Not a footstep could be seen. The lack of footprints meant that Carell's party hadn't beaten them to the top. And indeed, when the pair looked over, they spotted the opposing team on the opposite ridge, still about 650 feet below the summit. As for Wimper's group, they spent roughly an hour at the top of the Matterhorn, 
marveling at their well-earned view. Wimper recalled the scene in his memoir, writing, quote, There were forests black and gloomy, and meadows bright and lively, bounding waterfalls and tranquil lakes, fertile lands and savage wastes, sunny plains and frigid plateau. There were the most rugged forms and the most graceful outlines, bold perpendicular cliffs and gentle undulating slopes, rocky mountains and snowy mountains, somber and solemn or glittering and white, with walls, turrets, pinnacles, pyramids, domes, cones, and spires. There was every combination that the world can give, and every contrast that the heart could desire. After enjoying what he called a crowded hour of glorious life, Wimper and his team began the perilous trek back down the mountain. They descended in a rope line with mountain guide Michelle Cross in the lead, followed by Douglas Haddow, Charles Hudson, Lord Francis Douglas, Peter Taugwalder Sr., and then his son and Edward Wimper pulling up the rear. Roughly an hour into the descent, Haddow slipped and fell into Cross, knocking them both off the cliff face. As they fell, Hudson and Douglas were pulled along with them. Luckily, Wimper and the Taugwalders were able to brace themselves in time and keep from falling. They held onto the rope with all their might and tried desperately to secure it as the four men at the other end dangled helplessly. Then, a moment later, the rope broke. For a few seconds, Wimper wrote, we saw our unfortunate companions sliding downward on their backs and spreading out their hands, endeavoring to save themselves. They passed from our sight uninjured, disappeared one by one, and fell from precipice to precipice onto the Matterhorn Glacier below, a distance of nearly 4,000 feet in height. From the moment the rope broke, it was impossible to help them. It was later determined that the team had been using the oldest, weakest rope they had, one which had only been brought along as a backup to be used as a last resort. It's unclear why that rope was used for the descent, though it was likely just an oversight brought on by a mix of fatigue and euphoria from having reached the top of the mountain. Wimper and the Taugwalders made it back to Zermatt on the morning of July 15th. A rescue expedition was launched the following day, with Wimper joining in the effort. After several days of searching, the bodies of Cross, Haddow, and Hudson were recovered and brought back to town for burial but the body of Lord Francis Douglas was never found. The tragic end to the expedition shocked the British public, who until that point had mostly viewed the sport of mountain climbing as a way to bring glory to crown and country without the need for bloodshed. But the death of four climbers in a single accident challenged the rosy perception of the sport. Queen Victoria, in particular, was deeply disturbed by the death of Lord Francis Douglas. In fact, she considered issuing a ban on mountaineering altogether, pledging that she would never again allow English royal blood to be wasted on such a foolish endeavor. In the end, the Queen's ban was never implemented, and her suggestion wound up sparking new interest in the sport. Alpinists from England and beyond began flocking to Zermatt in droves, curious to see if they too could summit the Matterhorn and hopefully have better luck on the way back down. The popularity of mountain climbing and of the Matterhorn itself continued to grow from that point on, 
fueled by the compelling mix of triumph and tragedy that characterized Wimper's first ascent. In the years since then, an estimated 500 people have lost their lives attempting to climb the Matterhorn. A metal cross now stands at the mountain's peak as a monument to their memory. And at the Matterhorn Museum in Zermatt below, there's another kind of memorial to the mountain's first victims, a piece of broken rope displayed behind glass on a velvet pillow. As for Edward Wimper, he went on many more expeditions before his death in 1911 at the age of 71, shortly after his last expedition of the Alps. But for all that time, he remained haunted by his experience on the Matterhorn. He spoke of it often, in lecture halls, in periodicals, and in personal correspondence. He seemed desperate to prove the accident wasn't his fault, as some had claimed, but it's clear he was never fully able to put the incident behind him. Years later, Wimper described that lingering trauma, writing, quote, Every night, do you understand? I see my comrades of the Matterhorn slipping on their backs, their arms outstretched, one after the other, in perfect order, at equal distances. Cross the guide first, then Haddow, then Hudson, and lastly Douglas. Yes, I shall always see them. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to drop me a line by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 